Welcome to BusinessWorks. This is Hal Alpiar and Johnny Stites. We're here today talking with you small business owners, managers, and professional practice managers and owners, and, uh, and of course, entrepreneurs. And, and we're talking today, we're following up from our last show on the subject of leadership. Um, we, we've got a Time Magazine article uh, from Rudy Giuliani, Mayor of the World, they call him now, but the, his comment was, was very short and simple. Leaders have to control their emotions under pressure. And so, you know, that's probably particularly true today with society and where things are going. It makes it difficult. It's a challenge. So we're reminded by that to be kinder than necessary because everyone we meet is fighting some kind of battle. And if that reminder is only half true, we're talking about a lot of pent-up stress. So it's bottled up anxieties, emotions under pressure. Um, and leaders, just because they're leaders, have to rise above that because if you don't, you're not going to be respected or get anything done. And, and I know Johnny's got some examples, uh, I'm pretty sure of that, in, in not only in his business experience, but in the Navy and other places in his life. Um, uh, well, Hal, um, you're right. The leaders must act differently than, than the people who are just members of the team. If you're a leader, I can guarantee you you're going to be criticized because leaders are going to make decisions. They're going to move forward. Not every decision will be perfect but it'll be the best one they know at the time. Uh, there were times that I made decisions in the Navy, and my, some of my men would say, Lieutenant Stites, have you thought about this particular part of your comments? Well, at the time, I was 21 or 22. I hadn't thought about it, <laughs> and I appreciated them doing that. And I remember um, having the responsibility to go and pick up a half a million dollars in cash at a finance center and bringing it back to the ship because we had to pay all of our men in cash and it was uh, it was a scary thing to walk all we had was a 45 and my response to the young man with me who had a 45 also was if we, if somebody comes up and points a gun at us and tells us he wants our money do not draw your gun give him the money because no, no amount of money that we have is worth your life or my life so fortunately, that never happened, and we were able to get by with it. But some people would criticize that decision, say, no, you got to protect that money. And the same is true when you serve on boards or committees. Uh, I serve on boards now that we're having to make some hard decisions. The first board in the 100 years that this uh, institution has existed, and there are people who are very critical of decisions that the board is making. But you know what? We're the trustees of that institution, and we're not there to please one little segment of the university. We're there to act in the, for the benefit of the entire organization. So you just have to be willing to understand if you're going to take on leadership, be willing to take the hits. Don't respond in kind. If somebody's hateful to you, don't be hateful back. Or, or don't react. Uh, don't react. Yeah. That's right. We're reminded to be kinder than necessary because everyone we meet is fighting some kind of battle just as we are. And leaders, I think, by their very nature, understand that it's not always as easy as people make it out to be. I'll tell you one of the most frustrating things to me, Hal, about 
serving on a board or committee are those people who just sit there and never participate. Uh, this Earlier this week, I was with a business leader. That's and, very common. <laughs> yes. And he said uh, he had a leadership team, and he would go around and ask for comments and feedback from different members on the team. And there's one member that every time would say, I don't have any comment to add. It was frustrating to him. He said, what would you do? And I'd say, well, the first thing I'd do is, why? Why do you not have a comment? And the second thing I would do is, if they are going to continue to do that, why are you on this leadership team? Why should I put you on this leadership team or keep you on this leadership team? Because leaders have to have comments. Or some they alternate ways, yeah. Maybe some alternate words or how, to, how do you choose that? Yeah. With synergy, it's not one person's words that make synergy. It's a multiplicity of people commenting about a subject matter where one person's thoughts generates a thought in another right. person they never would have had had they not heard that first set of thoughts. Ultimately, maybe the fifth person who contributes is the one who brings the ideal circumstance or the ideal solution. Well, leaders are both, we want to be reminded, both are born and made, but uh, that leadership doesn't fall from the sky. It doesn't come down land on your shoulders. And going back to Giuliani's comment, he said, for having more faith in us than we had in ourselves, um, that's what this elusive quality is all about. For being brave when required, being rude when appropriate, and tender without being trite. For not sleeping and not quitting and not shrinking from the pain all around you. These are pretty um, insightful kinds of comments from a person who's been through it and uh, has the, the wherewithal to explain that uh, that way. I think when you've got the idea here that uh, we see from uh, Aaron Tippin, a country western performer, who sang and says, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. So coming back to that and how that applies to the business world in every way, it becomes, comes down to that planning aspect that Johnny's talking about and also going around and asking for input from people uh, and the kind of stance that they choose to take or don't take. So you, by asking them how they choose that um, to, to not comment or how did you come about the word how is great because it forces people to explain themselves <laughs> Uh, why, uh, when you ask why, a lot of times it just generates an excuse. Um, and, and so I think that the combination of all of what we're talking about here um, is really saying that if you're leading a business, um, and you may not think of yourself as a leader, but if you are, if you run the business, you own the business, the family, whatever it is, that you owe it to yourself and to your, everyone around you, the employees, your customers, of course, to be as good as you can be at it and not not let it fall by the wayside on a daily basis. And we see that too often, and we see businesses just disappear. Um, we're going to take a break in a minute, so I'm going to ask you to uh, just uh, remember that little comment. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And uh, we'll be back to talk about some hidden agendas and getting them out of the closet. And so we don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Business Works. This is Hal and Johnny. Um, before we get started, I just want to mention, if you're listening, we are more than happy to take your questions and comments anytime. And you can email them to Hal, H-A-L, at businessworks, with an S at the end, dot U-S instead of dot com. 
And, and we will address those comments if you ask us to on the air or personally in a response. So don't hesitate to be in touch with us, uh, hal at businessworks.us. In the meantime, we were uh, just beginning to talk about um, uh, stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And Johnny had some interesting comments during the break. Um, and we're going to talk about that, and then we have uh, we're going to get you out of the closet if you're there with some of the hidden agendas that you might be dealing with. So, Johnny, you want to take us back to that comment? Thank you, Hal. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk about that just a little bit because there are many people who don't really give a lot of thought into what they stand for until they're presented with an option, and that's when they get swept away with somebody who's got a fine-sounding argument. They can be uh, carried away by a friend or they could be carried away in a direction they didn't mean to go by a professor, somebody they're a mentor they're looking up to. Or an employee or a customer. Yeah, an employee or customer. And we've talked about it. In my, in my family, I had four kids, a girl and three boys. I always tried to teach them to decide what they were going to do if a situation came up. Like if somebody offers you uh, alcohol, how are you going to respond to that? That decision is not made at the time when they offer you the alcohol. That decision is made back when you decide what am I going to, what kind of person am I going to be or what kind, if it's drugs or anything that's um, maybe somebody is um, causing you to be, um, going down a road with a young lady that you shouldn't be doing something with. And these all, all apply to business. Uh, they I do. mean, you and know, this, this isn't just like pie in the sky talk that Johnny no. is throwing out here. And that's it, what I was going yeah. to say is you learn those early at an early age. You learn to prepare yourself for the moment of a decision way before it happens. So if you're in business and you've got an opportunity to take advantage of somebody and earn a chunk of money, that decision is made way before that moment comes. If it isn't, you're most likely to make the decision that benefits you and gives you that money. And that's that can oftentimes be very, very dis, uh, disjointing to the business, destructive to the business. So you, I just think it's really important that people understand you do have to stand for something, but you got to stand for it way before you get to the point of decision or you will fall for anything. Even if you didn't mean to, you might make a quick decision that's going to get you down the road. And if it's a business situation, is the business um, substantiating and reinforcing this kind of thing? I, I just saw recently that one of, if not the biggest uh, tech company in the world, was um, putting job offer situations out and one of the lures of the job position was that there was a refrigerator full of beer available to anyone any time of the day. Yeah. I mean, I can't even believe that. I, I can't imagine that that's going to be a productivity situation. Uh, I, I mean, and why would somebody want to take a job with that? I, I'm just amazed, but I guess maybe it's me. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, personally, we might call these uh, principles that we live by in business, we call them core values. Uh, it can be part of a mission statement, but it's the core values. What do, what are the core values that are going to control this business? And you don't decide those as you go out in the workplace and try to do business with people. 
You decide those when you found your company, when you establish what it's going to be, what kind of company it's going to be. And there's a lots of ways to go out there. John Dellinger core values didn't include uh, honesty, didn't include uh, not carrying a gun and not threatening people. He went out and robbed banks and took money that wasn't his. But he that was his core values. He didn't, the values he had didn't preclude him from making that decision. Well, businesses are the same way. You can make great decisions if you want to, but you got to have those core values in place that are going to drive not only the leadership, but all the people. And then once you have those core values, you hire by them, you fire by them, you reward people by them, you recognize people by them, and it's the it's the driving force of any of any industry or business. Well, and people, both employees and owners, um, t- can tend to play power games and and have hidden agendas with uh, other people, uh, which of course is not productive. And and yet, and some people don't even realize they're doing it. But it is something to focus on, especially if you're running a business. You really don't want to have that because what you're doing is fostering more of it from the employees. And actually, it finds its way into consumer uh, and customer uh, uh, thinking as well. So you'll likely find that um, some things are hidden under the surface, that that many individual conflicts, uh, group members have personal and subjective needs. They have needs for belonging, for acceptance, for recognition, for self-worth, for self-expression, for productivity. If those are not being met, then there may be the responses that you're getting are tainted in those directions. And so um, often a boss will become disgruntled or overzealous or manipulative in trying to get those individuals back into the group. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying to your employees who are gathered together or even one, you know, I wonder if we have said all that we feel about this particular issue. Maybe we should go around the table in the case of more than one, or maybe we should consider in the case of one um, to ask for individual comments or your comments in the case of one so that we can open up further thoughts. Now, by saying something like that, you're not threatening, you know, and you're not playing games. Um, you're, you're just saying, you know, let's, let's try going around this again and look at the subject again and see if we can come up with some other responses. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about your independence as a boss and some of the other kinds of thoughts that relate to leadership uh, in running your business. So stay with us and Johnny and I will be right back. Welcome back to BusinessWorks. This is Hal and Johnny. We are talking about um, personal goals, values, attitudes, fears, with the whole subject of getting employees together and uh, sitting together and, and, uh, and, and getting them to open up by saying things like, uh, well, maybe we should go around the table and ask for individual comments so that we can open up any further thoughts about this topic, whatever the topic might be. So it's just a kind of a statement. It's the way that you say things that's really important. It is not as much what you say, it's how you say it. So, And you can apply that to yourself, I'm sure, in a million ways if you think about it. So in, in that sense, um, one of the things that we have not addressed today and uh, we really want to because we know there are a number of entrepreneurial thinkers listening 
and um, people who are contemplating starting a business that we want to kind of address that as a separate issue because it's different than running an established business. So uh, we call this when the gun goes off, you know, (laughs) starting line, so to speak. And and we're not suggesting uh, anything other than that. Um, but, but that the being on the edge of, uh, a starter's gun for a race and, um, and it shoots blanks, of course, we're, so we're glad we got that together, but, but starting a new business on a venture, uh, spinning out of an existing business, for example, in case it's been a while and you've forgotten is very much like the beginning of a crew race, you know, in rowing. Um, and if you live in the desert of the mountains, you haven't any idea what I'm probably talking about, a crew race, uh, 12 people rowing with a coxswain in the boat who's yelling through a uh, megaphone and banging on the sides of the boat, uh, and they're in a race. And it's a, you start from standstill, and you have to get every single person has to be exactly in time. And um, when you're starting out, they're not. When you start out, everyone rows as quick and fast as they can just to get some motion in the boat. So as soon as the boat starts to move forward from a dead standstill, then everyone has to lengthen out and they have to be exactly perfectly in line with one another. Um, and, and that's the only way you can be in the race because if one person's hand lifts just inches higher or lower than the other um, 11 or, or so people rowing, the boat's going to tip over. That's how, that's how fragile they are. And they are so narrow and people are sitting on these little seats with roller skate wheels under them and, um, and their butts are hanging over the side pretty much. I mean, these are really very, uh, awkward kinds of situations. So in a race, if everyone's not exactly together, the boat fails and the race is lost. And so how, how do you get people to be together? You know, how do you do this when you're starting a new business or spinning off of an existing business. Um, and Johnny, I know you've had plenty of experience on the water <laughs> and, um, maybe not rowing, but, but, uh, certainly enough to realize that, uh, you know, things, you can't be dead in the water. You have to be moving and then everyone has to move together in order to make things, uh, get to where you want them to. Hal, I grew up in Tennessee. I have no idea what you've been talking about. <laughs> Well, come on. There's a few. His rowing right. is not something we do in Tennessee. Well, imagine canoeing with uh, someone who you are. Yeah. Not, uh, oh, I know what you're talking <laughs> about. I've seen it on TV, but never participated in it. And um, and do understand the, the intricacies of being having a good team. Everybody must be on board yeah. and pulling the same. Because if you put your paddle in before the rest of them do, that slows the team down. Well, it was a life lesson I learned in spades because I was I was just telling Johnny before that I was the I was the uh, I was the smallest rower in intercollegiate rowing in the United States at the time I was in college and on the crew team, and everyone thought I was the coxswain because those guys are only bit like ninety pounds in there, you know, yeah. they're little tiny guys because it's extra weight in the boat, so they have to have big lungs to yell through the thing and all. That's what they do and keep everyone in time. But, um, I, I made a point of trying to be like the guys who were a a foot or more taller than me and probably outweighed me by 50 pounds by just guts. (laughs) And I, I I couldn't get talked out of it. So I just did it. But, but it was a great learning experience. I would never do it again, even if I could. And, uh, I'm well, sorry that you haven't experienced that in the, in the, in the business world. <laughs> I have experienced that starting 
from zero and beginning businesses. Um, the first experience I had was when I was uh, selling books door to door. I was with the Southwestern Company. They were a hundred year old company. The years that I started with them. What kind of books? And they were Bibles and ref- reference books yeah. and Family Doctor was one name of one yeah. of them. Uh, my grandfather had it's sold a new for sign this of company. you. We haven't heard before. <laughs> yeah, my grandfather had sold for this company uh, years before, as he was trying to make enough money to get through college. And he told me, he said, "Son, it's just going to be really hard. You're going to, if you can't make it, just call me, and I'll send you money for bus to come home." Well, you don't want to do that. I though. love my grandfather. And <laughs> That's a challenge. And there's the one. I didn't know how that summer was going to go, but one thing I was absolutely sure of, I was not going to quit. Right. So I went out, and the first day, I sold nothing, absolutely zero. My roommate that I was staying with sold a $9 book. That's all he sold. The end of the summer, I was number 10 first-year man in the company. He was number 15. We had had a great summer. We went back to my grandfather, and we dumped out on his kitchen table when, with him sitting there, $6,100 in cash. <laughs> and say, we thought you'd like to see how your two grandsons did at Southwestern this summer. <laughs> proud moment for him, proud oh, moment but... for us. And the reason we were successful is because the company said, look, we know you don't have this experience. Just do exactly what we tell you. Follow what other people do that are successful and you'll be successful. So it became one of my favorite sayings, do what successful people do, and you'll be successful. The rules apply the same to everybody. That was my first occasion. When I came back in a construction business to Cookville, I didn't know anything about running a construction company. I'd worked in one as a laborer, carried sheetrock, did things like that. But I went and found the most successful person I had, and I'd ask him, let me just watch him for a day and see what I could learn. Took one idea, used that in my company, and that began our journey from a dead stop, as you were talking about in your rowing. All right. That was a great way to end us up, and we want to uh, thank you all for being with us today, and we will uh, look forward to being with you again next week. So have a great week, and this is Hal Alpiar with Johnny Stites for Business Works.